0: Mr. Todd, I'll turn it over to you. Good morning. It is great to be in the Lord's house today, and I count it a privilege to be able to share with you a little bit this morning from God's Word in just a moment, but I want to start and just kind of give you an update on what's going on with Camp Grace and the things that have been happening. And we're just excited about what God is doing at Camp Grace. Uh, and uh, if you give me that next slide, please. We have, uh, just want to update you from summer camp. We had a great summer camp this year. We had come out of uh, the, the 2020 without it being able to have a summer camp. And because the Lord was gracious to us this year, we were able to have 410 campers. And that's that's a big number considering when we were planning with the governor's um Regulations that we had on us, we were afraid we would only be able to have 250 in a full summer, and then regulations changed. Praise the Lord. He opened that door. We had 410 campers come, and we had 25 young people come to know the Lord as Savior, and we just give God glory for that number. We also had a whole bunch of young people who came and gave a rededication and spoke to us and shared with us about. How God had worked that during the week of camp and was changing their lives and they made a rededication. We're going to uh, work on their faith relationship with the Lord and uh, we just thank the Lord for that. Could go on to that next slide for me. We had we had some fall retreats this year. Uh, We did the year before we had very small. Well, we didn't have any fall retreats. We had spring retreats last spring and they were very small, but this fall. We had an elementary and a teen retreat, and they were the largest retreats, weekends, that Camp Grace has ever had. Uh, We had 43 teenagers come out for a fall retreat, and we had um, 47 elementary children come out for a retreat. And we had, again, multiple rededications of faith, and we're excited about that. The release time school ministry, we are still not in the public schools because the public schools are not open to us or anybody outside coming in, and we understand that we're very aware of all the, the struggles that, that are going on there. Uh, we are praying that the Lord is going to change those things, and we're going to be able to get back into our release time program. And I know that many of you are very much aware of what we've done and that you all have been a part of that, and I thank you and appreciate that. Uh, the uh, We do have one school. The Old Mainstream Academy is a brand-new charter school over in Pembroke and they have 250 students in their school and we've been there twice and both times we've had right at 150 children come to release time and so we are we are they are working so well with us they bust the children down to the vertical church there next to the burnt swamp association building and bring them to us because they, the leadership at that school want those kids to have the opportunity. So we, we are excited about that and what God is doing there. And we're, uh, we're looking forward to the day when we can get back into the public schools. We don't feel like we'll be able to use the rolling tap chapel just yet, even when the, the doors open because it's such a tight quarters. But we hope that eventually we'll even be back in that. So be praying with us that God would open those doors. Be praying with us that we would be able to do all that he has for us. And we're just excited about what's going happening going forward. We do have um, several events coming up. encourage you to go on the website and look at the, the calendar. But very specifically on January 29th, which is a Saturday morning, we're going to be having a pancake breakfast fundraiser. So please come out and eat some pancakes And help Camp Grace as we look forward to what God is doing. He's blessed us. He's got us through a year we didn't know we were going to make it through financially. And he blessed us and he got us through it. And it just overwhelms us with over and over again with his supply through folks like you. And we appreciate that. Also, the Hog Swamp Baptist Church men have called me and said, We want to do a fundraiser for you in February. So they are planning at some place, somewhere right down here in downtown Fairmont, to have a barbecue plate sale. The tentative date right now is February 12th. So uh, be looking for that and paying attention. There will be tickets for sale on those things. and uh, We just look forward to that. And you, you ask how you can help. Always, always, always remember that you can pray. When you, If you would just add Camp Grace to your regular prayer list and just lift us up every, every chance you get, that the Lord would work and move in our staff and through our staff. We have lost some staff. We have gained some staff. We've got some staff in transition coming on board, raising support. We have um, two new missionaries. Uh, one who has just been approved and is beginning her fundraising. One that we believe will be approved in the coming weeks and will then begin raising her support to be on staff with us. So, uh, be praying for these young these these ladies. Uh, they are both. Excited about what God's going to do in them through Camp Grace and in Camp Grace through them, and we're we're looking forward to, to them being a part of our ministry. So be praying for them. Also, if if you would like to support a missionary, I've got two ladies that, that need some, some need some support. I have some other missionaries that are still raising support. Even though we're at a level we can work, we are not all fully supported. Volunteer if you if you have time and would like to come out and do something we have some ladies that come out and answer the phone and uh take messages and help us in the office uh we have men that come out and do small building projects and we have uh, ladies i'm not saying you can't do building projects don't hear me say that i've i've been fussed at for that before you can do if you want to do that i've got a lady that comes out and paints for us every chance she gets we got work that can be done, and, and if you want to wanna help, get up with us, and let's see if we can work out time and, and, and materials and, and stuff for you to do. We'd love to have you out there. And eventually, we hope to have you helping with the release time again. Uh, and so be aware of that and, again, support the ministry. We're, we're trying to, knowing our, our, our budget is... Um, Knowing our budget is going to be really tight, we're trying to find 90 folks that can then pick us up at the camp, pick up the camp ministry for $50 a month. Uh, Maybe you say, I can't do that, Todd, but maybe you and your Sunday school class could pick up the the camp for $50 a month. Um, Just pray about it. Maybe the Lord would lead you to be uh, more involved than you already are at Camp Grace. I appreciate that. This morning, our message is coming from the book of Matthew. What's the condition of your soil? And I know you know this passage, and I know you've probably studied this passage, but we're going to look at it fresh today. Or in Matthew chapter 13, if you would turn with me, and with me in your, word, your copy of God's Word this morning. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. I love to hear you turning those pages. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. If you look at my Bible and say, what happened? My puppy happened. She wanted to eat some of God's Word, and she did. She only got through the uh, table of contents, so she didn't make it too far. But if you would stand with me as we read God's Word this morning. We're going to read... Uh, We're going to begin with the first nine verses this morning. So it says, On that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on the good ground and produced fruit, some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your speaking to our hearts in what you have given us in this written word. And we pray that this morning we would draw near to you and hear from you in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. As we look at this, I want you to understand that this passage brings us to a division in the ministry of Christ. This brings us to a point when the direction changes. There are some things here that show us that, and and I'm going to show you what those look like. When we go back and we look at chapter 12 and what's going on in chapter 12 right before this, the Pharisees have come to Jesus and they have said, look, we need a sign. Now, Jesus has given them signs. Jesus has done works of miracles. He has done healings. He has done those things. But they continue to come and say, well, we haven't seen enough. We don't believe you. We, can't, we, don't, we don't think you've proven that you are who you claim to be. So Jesus says to them, you're not going to get any sign except for the sign of Jonah. And now he is talking about his own death. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he would be in the ground for three days. So at this point, he is entering what we call the mystery parables. And it's it's those parables that he talks about. Listen, pay attention. For those who have ears, listen. You see, he has come to Israel, the people of God, and they've, they've rejected him. They're not paying attention to him. The, the leadership of Israel, those who are in, in political and in, in, uh, religious leadership, have rejected him as the Messiah. And he's saying, listen, you need to pay attention. You're missing out here. And they're not. So they have rejected the king. So, again, this is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Those first two verses, as we look at them, it says that on that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the shore. Now, we see this course change coming. This representation, when it says that he left the house, yes, there was a physical house there, and he had come out of the house. But in this same passage, in this understanding, as we look at this, this is also a representation that he is now turning from a specific reach to the children of Israel. And he is reaching a broader reach. I don't believe there's any of us in here who have Jewish descent. There may be, and I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying that, basically, if Jesus had not turned his view... Those of us in this room probably would not know who he is or would not have an opportunity to know who he is because before this, his complete focus was on Israel. He had to be rejected by Israel before he could open the ministry to the whole world. And he's been rejected. He's left the house. And then it says, by the sea. He was sitting in a boat by the sea. The sea represents the multitudes. The world beyond Israel. And so he's sitting in the boat by the sea. So he has left the house of Israel, and the religious leaders of Israel have rejected the king. See, this is the preparation of the church. You know, when you when you study the Old Testament and when you see the 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 seventy sevens of Daniel, and you, you look, if you have this understanding, there those seventy-seven, sixty-nine of those sevens have occurred leading up to Christ. And then at Christ, there becomes an opening, and that last seven has yet to come because the 77s refer to the kingdom of Israel. So we are currently in a place in history which is what we call the church age. And is a separation of those 69 sevens that are prophesied in Daniel and that last seven which we know as the great tribulation. And that time will come at the end of time. And so we, we, when we look at this, we see that he is preparing in this in this point. He is preparing for the coming of the church age. He is preparing for the coming of the church, his church, his bride. And so let's dive into this parable here real quick. And we look in verse, um, verse 3, and it says, He told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Now, I want us to stop for just a minute. He he gets into this parable, and the first thing we see is the sower. Now, when we think about the sower, we have to understand that he tells us in verse 37 very specifically who the sower is. So, let me just turn this page real quick. Verse 37 tells us, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, this is in his, uh, in his description of the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or the, the wheat and the tares. And so, But he's, he's telling us very specifically who he is, who the sower is. And he himself, the Son of Man, is the sower of the good seed. And so that reflects also in this passage. And so as he talks about this, he's talking about what it means to sow. Now... How many of you are associated with farming? I know my brother down here is because we've been talking about it. Many of y'all either grew up on farms, have farms, or, or have been involved in farming at some point or gardening in your lives. Of course, farming in the day of Jesus was very much different from farming today. They didn't have these fancy tractors and, and all that stuff. I've got a friend who's a huge, got a huge farm up in northern North Carolina. And this gentleman has guys that get in his tractors and harvesters and all this stuff and they get in and close the, the glass doors and then they key in on their computer what they're going to do that day and then they turn on the climate control and then they sit back while the machine does all the work. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, I know, but not back then. The the common folk that were standing on this bank of this lake, this ocean, this sea that he's sitting in, they would have been been blessed to have had a single plow which would have been pulled by an oxen or a donkey and had a very crude implement that would break up the ground most of them at best would have a a crude hoe that they would chop up the little bit of ground they had and then they would come and scatter seed by hand it was a much different endeavor to farm then than it is today and i'm not saying farming is easy today don't hear me say that i don't believe that for a moment But the sowing of the seed is so much different. Sowing of seed back then is like I would sow grass seed on a bare spot in my yard. I'd stick my hand down in the bag and throw it out like that. And that's how they would sow their whole field. And so it's a very different type of thing without the mechanical spreaders and plows and all those kinds of things that that we have at our disposal you see, that, that next verse there, verse 4 says, As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Now, this, this, um, this path, the path that we're talking about, is just like in our day, the road, where you would drive, where you would ride. This is where the horses or the, the donkeys or any of the animals might go. Men would come and go through those paths. They would be packed hard. Now, any of y'all have been out to Camp Grace, you know the dirt roads we got. They're pretty packed hard, and there's no grass growing in them on where they're packed. And that's the same thing with this. The seed would just lay on top. It was so packed that there was no moisture to cause the seed to germinate and to open up and create roots. And if it had, the ground was so hard it would not go down. And then the birds would come immediately and snatch those things away. And over in verse 19, he tells us, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. You see, because later in this same chapter, he's explaining this parable to his disciples and he's sharing with them what it looks like. Now, again, these are mystery parables. He doesn't explain them to the general population. They are things that he is comparing the kingdom of heaven to, but without explanation to the general population. But he explains it in depth to his disciples. But this path is like the heart of someone who is so hardened that when the word of God is shared, they completely reject it. They are not going to even listen to you. I don't know if you've ever witnessed to anybody and shared the gospel with someone or tried to share the gospel with someone that would go, I'm done. You know, just leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. I've had that happen. I'm not interested. I'm not interested, not even willing to hear or to listen to what's, what's being said. That's the path. That's the soil of the heart that is the path. It's not going to receive. It's not even going to listen to what you have to say. Now, I know that there are some that when the preacher gets up, they're done. They're not even going to listen to what the preacher has to say, they're not going to pay attention to what's going on. They've been to church. They've checked their box. They're going home. What the preacher says doesn't matter. That happens in every church. Folks, I want you to understand something. Death is just a change of address. What you believe determines where you end up. It determines your address what street you're going to live on. Don't be hardened and stop listening. Pay attention to what God's Word says. Seek it in your own lives. Seek the Word of God in all that you do. Pay attention to what the Word of God tells us. Now, going on in verse 5, he tells us, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. It grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now, this uh, rocky ground, this is folks that will receive the gospel. They'll hear it. And they might even get excited about it. And it'll spring up in their lives and they'll get excited. They'll, they'll walk down the aisle. They'll shake the hand of the preacher and they'll, they'll get saved. They'll even go through the baptism and, and all that kind of stuff. But when difficulty comes, when persecution comes, when they come up in, in contact with that individual that says, nah, I'm not even going to listen to you. Take that somewhere else. They back away. There's not really any faith that is holding them. They don't have any roots because the ground is rocky. There's some moisture there because there's rock, but when the root goes down, it can't dig deep into the gospel, and that individual does not become the person that God intends them to be. Their faith fades away, and they die. They don't ever really come to a true faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that come that are in the rocky ground. And he explains this in verses 20 and 21 to his disciples and says, and the one sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. But when the or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. There's no real faith there. There is no real faith in those that are in the rocky ground. There is a profession of faith but there is no true faith in that life the next verse is verse seven and it tells us other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it now the thorns are the ones that are growing up in this world you see that's at the edge of the church and if you look outside the world's all around the church Just like in the life, the world is all around us. And that seed sown that falls amongst the thorns, those are the ones who, again, they receive the word. They get excited about getting saved, but then they get out there in the world and it's all about the dollars. It's all about the prestige. It's all about what's going on in the world and what do I have and how am I going to do. And it doesn't have anything to do with who Christ truly is. You see, because the life given over to Christ doesn't worry about those things. Now, I'm not saying you don't concern yourself with taking care of your life and making money and all that. You got to. I mean, that's who we are. God put us in this world to live amongst this world. We live amongst the thorns, church. If you're a born-again believer in Christ, you're living among... If you're not living amongst the thorns, you might have COVID and be in quarantine right now. But you, you might be... Secluding yourself away from the world that God has put you in to make a difference. But the world can't be our main concern. Our bank account can't be our main concern. How people see us cannot be our main concern. What people think about us when they think of our name or hear our name does not need to be our main concern. You see, in verse 22, he says, Now the one who's sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So we have looked at three different places where seed has fallen. Now, what is the condition of the soil of your heart? That's what this message is all about. You see, in that next verse... Verse 8, it tells us, Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. You see, the whole point that Jesus is making here has to do with the soil of the heart that's good and truly receives his word. That soil does something. I've already asked you about those of you who either have been or are farmers or stuff like that. If, if a farmer took a kernel of corn and placed it in the ground and he planted his whole field and he had a beautiful, a beautiful field of corn come up and on each stalk of corn there was one cob and that one cob had one kernel Is the labor and the, and the water and the fertilizer and the time in the field, is that worth it? Is there anything there, one for one? What does Jesus say here? What does he tell the people about the good soil? What is the results of the word of God falling into the good soil, the seed falling into the good soil? Some 30 some 60, some 100-fold. You want to know how you recognize who true believers in Christ are? It's their fruit. Church, are you impacting this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because that's what Jesus says. A true Christian is one whose life brings others to Christ. That doesn't mean that in your lifetime you have to have 30 people come to know Christ because you tell them about Jesus. Or 60, or 100. It's not that literal. But it's about, are you bearing fruit in Christ Jesus? Are you working to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you sharing that faith that God has placed within your life? The evidence of your faith is the changed lives around you. And I'll be honest with you, I've worked with people for years and they've never come to know Christ, but their lives have changed and they, they become more and more open and And hopefully at some point in time, they will truly choose to know Jesus Christ. What is the condition of your soil? See, he then says, and we talked about this a little bit, verse 9, let anyone who has ears listen. Because he's telling the folks that they need to pay attention. To what's going on. He's telling them to pay attention to what he's saying. He's telling them you have to be aware of what it looks like. The next thing we come to in this passage, where are we here? Oh, I got a few minutes left. The next thing we come to in this passage in verse ten it says, Then the disciples came up to him and asked him, Why are you speaking in parables? Listen carefully, church, to what he says, because it's important for us to understand. He says, he says he answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given for them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables because looking they do not see and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them which says you will listen and listen but never understand. You will look and look but never perceive for the people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because you do see, and your ears because you do hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you, you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but d- didn't hear them. So he's talking to his disciples. They've come alongside separately to ask him these questions. And for him to then explain the parable, which we kind of walk through that as we walk through the parable itself. But he pull, they pull him aside and say, Jesus, why are you sharing these things in such a way? And what he says is, you see, those who really want to know, those who are truly seeking me, those who are truly interested in the kingdom of God, they're going to pay attention. They're going to... They're going to dig in, and they're going to search until they find it. They're the true seekers. They want to know. You see, there's this huge crowd that's there listening to Jesus, and a lot of them are there because they want to see him do a miracle. You know, they didn't have TV. They couldn't go watch all the entertainment we watch today they didn't have movie theaters to go to they didn't have concert venues and all those kinds of things when somebody like jesus came along everybody wanted to see what was going on because it was a spectacle because not only was he talking and sharing truth as we do know but he was doing miracles he was doing things that nobody else had ever done before And so people would come out to hear. And so there are all these spectators there just waiting to see, is he going to heal somebody? Is he going to do something different this time? What's going to happen? Those who truly want to know will seek it out. They will dig it out in God's word. They will dig in and they will look for what it is God has. And they're going to find it. Those who are just spectators are just going to listen, be entertained, and move on. Same thing happens in our lives today. So the question this morning is, what is the condition of your soil? Your heart soil. You know, when Jesus was doing this, And during this time, Jesus was sharing the gospel, telling the message, sowing this seed. He had just told the the Pharisees and Sadducees, as I shared with you at the beginning, that you're only going to have the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah was that Jesus was looking forward to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Jesus already knew he was going to die. Jesus already knew how he was going to die. Jesus already knew what it was going to look like. But he also knew that after he was buried, he was going to rise again from the dead. Because Jesus knew. But you see, that death, burial, and resurrection is what gives us hope. It gives us the hope that we need to look forward to what God has for us. Because a man who thinks that this life is all that he has is a man without hope. Because the Word of God promises us that there's more than that. The Word of God tells us that if we will follow after Christ, that we will be raised from the dead to spend eternity with Him forever and ever and ever. New body, no sickness, no death. None of those things, just like it was intended back all the way in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were created by the hand of God and placed there to live in God's presence every day. Church, we're all sinners. We all sin. Whether you're a born-again believer or not, you still sin. But what's the condition of the soil of your heart? Is it the good soil? Has the seed gone in and sprouted up? And has your life, and is your life, producing fruit? Only you can answer that question. You and the Holy Spirit. This morning. What does it look like? The the idea that we, we often forget is that we are not of this world if you're in Christ. We're just passing through. Because our life is tied up with his and he's already in heaven. And that's where we're going to be in Christ Jesus. So this morning I asked if you would just simply take time to evaluate where you stand in, in the kingdom of God. Maybe you'd say, well, Todd, I've heard what you said. I got saved a long time ago, and I'm good. Praise the Lord. The Lord's working in my life, and I'm seeing fruit, and I'm seeing him move and change lives in my midst. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not quite where I want to be. Praise the Lord. You recognize you're not where you want to be. What are you going to do to make sure you get there? Possible that you've realized, you know, I'm just riding this bench. I have never truly come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And one of the saddest things that I know is for someone who thinks that they're okay because they're in church to die and spend eternity in hell. Because it's not about being in church, uh, folks. It is truly about living a life that brings glory and honor to Christ. And you can only do that through salvation in him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I pray that you would work and move in this place this morning as we close this service together. God, I pray that you would impact us, God, with your gospel. And Lord, that God, as we as we see where we are and recognize what you have done and are doing in our lives, God, that we would bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. These young ladies, you're going to come by?